listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. What we're going to talk about today, I feel like, is so vital to the body of Christ. How many people do you know personally that are literally being destroyed or have been destroyed by wrong relationships, by connecting themselves with people that literally have taken them in the wrong direction? You know, people always want to act like they're, they're going to be the one that changes the group. You know, I'm going to hang with them and do everything they're doing, but I'm going to be the one that changes the group. Never happens. Never happens. People always pull you down. Yeah, absolutely. Rather than, rather than, than up like that. One of the things they've, they've kind of proven, I mean, I don't know how they've proven it. They've said it, but I, I hear this a lot, but that you'll become the average of the five people you hang out with the most. You know, you end up, they, what they have proven is that your spending is the same. Your style of living is the same. You know, that whole keeping up with the Joneses actually does take place. And they look at people's surroundings, the five to 10 people they hang out with the most, and they do their best to stay on the same level with what everybody else is doing. So the spending's the same, the way they live is the same, uh, because you're, it's almost like there's that pressure to measure up to the rest of the group. And I dealt with this, I actually told this, uh, what was it, last week, they did a study when they found out that when people, uh, not, not Christian studies, psychiatrists and psychologists found this out, that if you actually will go out to eat with a group of people, see if you've found this to be the truth for yourself. You go out to eat with a group of people, you might be finishing dinner and then the waiter comes back and says, now who's thinking, who's thinking about, um, you know, who's thinking about dessert tonight or whatever. And you really wanted something you saw on the dessert menu, but then it goes around and everybody's like, nah, I don't think I'm going to have any. No. And then everybody else at the table says no. And then you say no. Everybody knows that if you go out to eat with this guy, you're doomed. (laughs) He is the guy that gets everybody to get tons of appetizers, multiple dinners and desserts. Multiple dinners. Yeah. Multiple dinners. You'll get people to order multiple things because they have to try it. It's so good. It's actually true. You're like so convincing. I just did it last week. You have week. to try it. You just, just did, did it, it to a pastor friend that yeah. just came pastor through. Pastor Jay Adkins came through. I did it to him. See? I was on keto. He wasn't eating any of it. And <laughs> he made... Up. Look at Jenna. I gained 10 pounds in See? a day. See? She texted me that when you were preaching in Texas. <laughs> she said, hang in with Ted. I gained 10 pounds today. Yes. Well... So that's the truth. You are that friend. You're the downfall of people's diets. I'm sorry. But that's, you know. I want to apologize to everybody's diet that I've destroyed. Um, <laughs> Marissa said my husband too. I'm going to be honest with you. I like to eat. That's why I have to but ride a bike every day. That's a perfect example. You know, nobody's going to do it. No, it's true. And then it's The you. pressure comes on. Mm-hmm. But then it comes on negatively. Everybody doesn't want dessert. So you decide, even though you wanted it, I'm not going to get it because nobody else is getting anything. And that's what happens in relationships is that people literally will just fall into the flow. The average person is not strong enough to break a flow. Like if, if everybody else is, is forcing you or wanting you to do that thing, the average person right. is not strong enough to break that flow and people fall into it. So that's why it's so important who you hang with. And uh, today we're going to talk about three relationships that you need to end immediately. And I mean like immediately. I remember when I used to teach 
at a, and do and preach at a youth camps, do a lot of youth camps. And I always do this like the first night. I'd be like, how many of you in the crowd are dating somebody that's not saved? You know, like 60% of the hands would go up from the teenagers. How many of you dating somebody who's not saved? And every, like 60% goes up. And I'm like, all right, good. When this service is over tonight, I want you to call them up and break up with them. Like, and you'd see the hands shoot down all over the sanctuary because, you know, they, I don't know if they thought we were like, we're going to win them to Jesus or whatever. Missionary I, dating. Missionary dating. French kiss to heaven. French kiss into the kingdom. Into the kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. And, and then I, obviously we go and talk what, what Paul said about don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And so I see that happen and people don't, I don't think realize how vital the relationships you have are like you have to guard your relationships. You have to guard who you allow into your life. doesn't mean you don't love everybody. doesn't mean you don't want to reach everybody with the gospel. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means I'm guarding who influences my life because remember this too. Anyone you give entrance into your life will have some sort of an influence on your life. And in fact, that's the first thing I want you to put in the comments today. If you're watching anyone, I give entrance has a degree of influence. Anyone to whom I give entrance has a certain degree of influence. I mean, it's just, it just is. If they didn't, you wouldn't let them in your life, right? If you had a friend that was in your life, you're obviously going to, you know, listen to what they say or what they you know, what they think. And so, you know, you wouldn't allow them into your life if there were, if there wasn't going to be some level of influence that they had. And so anyone, I want you to put in the context, anyone to whom I give entrance has a certain degree of influence. And that's true across the board. It's true across the board. It's why you have to guard yourself so diligently. And it's why Paul spoke to the church uh, in Corinth and told them, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. We've seen that before. We've seen people, you know, dating people or, you know, get into a relationship. They were on fire and then they get in a relationship with somebody that like literally pulled them away from the faith. And, and lots of times when we go over the types of people today, it's, it, it people think like, well, I got to stop being their friend and we got to do it in a mean way, or there has to be this big separation. But, you know, there's people watching now know that there's friends you had childhood or even a few years ago that maybe aren't in your life now. People are going to come and go. But like he said, if it's not the right influence and it's not the right person in your life, then it's time to break away from it. And right. everything can be done in a nice way. It mm -hmm. doesn't have to be some nasty fight, some you know, right. break up, but not everybody's called to go where you're going. Not everybody's called to go on the same path. Yeah. And so we have to, often we have to take time and just like you check over your budget and your finances, I would do the same thing. I would check over who's in my life. Mm -hmm. what, what, what is this person a benefit to me? Yeah. What is it, you know, what are they, are they speaking life into me? Mm -hmm. Do they believe the same way that I right. believe? That's huge. Are they on the same page with, with the doctrine of the Bible that I believe? I mean, like if I believe in divine healing and praying and standing in faith, Am I going to have a circle of friends that, you know, question it? Not because they don't want to learn. There's a difference when you have somebody that you're, you're be able to teach and stuff. But if they're just mocking it or they just don't care to learn about it, what does that benefit you? Because eventually 
you're going to have to choose anyway. You're going to have to choose to be their friend right. or you're going to have to choose to not believe in divine healing or finances. I mean, there's always going to be a choice. Which one are you going to choose to go the way the Bible says or to go the way the your influence of your friend? So when we go over the types of people today, really write it down and and check, like do a checklist with with yourself and see if there's anybody that you know, you're going one direction and they're going another and, and you're going to have to go separate ways. Yeah, no, absolutely true. And, you know, one of the things that I remember that I loved is that we had um, something happen, a testimony. We were preaching at Crossroads Community Church in Fitchburg, Mass. That's Caitlin's home church. And Pastor Brian Tomes, we had, I can't remember how many years ago it was now, but <clears throat> a miracle took place. I mean, like, it was, it was mind blowing. And so this young lady that was uh, battling this nerve disease for about seven years in her body had pain throughout her whole body and, um, literally had a brain tumor. God healed her, took the nerve disease away. Brain tumor was gone, verified by Boston children's hospital. And, uh, she had a boyfriend. Now, I mean, obviously that'll set you on fire for God. God gives you a miracle like that, turns your whole life around. That'll set you on fire. And of course we were in revivals and I mean, all it, it was powerful, but she started being so faithful to the church and started being so faithful to the revival services, going to all the services. And I remember her boyfriend was like, I think you're getting a little too overboard with church. Remember that? Yeah. He didn't catch it. He didn't catch he it. He didn't catch it like she did. And she was like, I think he was like, I think you're getting a little too overboard with church. I think you're going a little too much or whatever. And I was so proud. She broke up with him. I mean, she was like, if that's what you think about my dedication to the house of God, you know, we're done. And I, that made me so happy and so proud that somebody that was in their teens still understood the importance that if somebody's going to hamper my relationship with the Lord and what, I mean, look what God's done for that girl. I mean, literally not only did he heal her of the disease and remove the tumor, then called her into the ministry. She went to Bible school study. I mean, power of she God, got married at Bible yeah, school, found her Bi husband. Yeah. That's on fire too. Exactly. And I mean, like the, the wisdom of that, just the wisdom of that yeah. at the age of what, 18 or 17 to say, you know what, if you don't see things the way I see them in this spiritual life, we're not meant to be together. Yeah. She didn't take the time and waste the time and try to work on making sure she brought him up to her level, to her fire, to her dedication, because she would have missed the boat. Oh, I don't yeah. think she would have probably gone off to Bible college and now she's met who God has called for her in her life, you know, married and, you know, to move on to have a family of her own and, you know, to do work, what God has called her to do because she let that person go. Right. And think about it too, because I don't know why people think this, but that if you're young or maybe, or I just say unmarried and you're watching this, uh, dating is not the place for discipleship. <laughs> but just, just to give you one, one for the books, one to put down in your notes, put it, put it in the comment section. Dating is not the place for discipleship. I, I don't know why people think that, well, you know, my boyfriend's unsaved, but I'm going to really work with him and get him. When you're submitted to someone in a relationship like that, it is not the same as spiritual leadership. It is not the same as spiritual discipline. Dating is not the place for discipleship. Anybody that's unmarried, that's still dating, he hear me today. This is so vital because this is where people get destroyed because you have this huge pull in two directions. If you're a Christian, 
your, your heart is pulling you toward pleasing the Lord. If the, the other person, girlfriend or boyfriend is not a Christian, it's their flesh pulling towards the things of the world. And so what happens is that there's always a tension in the relationship. You want to please the Lord. They want to please the flesh. It is dangerous. Dating is not the place for discipleship. How many relationships have we seen like that? Just completely destroyed by uh, one relationship. Like literally, they were on it, fire. It all it takes is one. Like, like, like you said at the beginning of the broadcast. Yeah. You, the, you're most likely, the average person is not going to bring that person up. Right. They're, they're the ones that's going to end up falling back. Mm-hmm. Peer pressure is a real strong, oh, yeah. strong, strong feeling. And Absolutely. if you're not somebody who's grounded in the word of God, in the things of God, your foundation is the sand. Your foundation's not the rock. And so it will be so easy to step backwards and just go with the flow. Most people go with the flow, especially in this day and age, because the way social media is, everyone can hide behind something that people just are not bold. They're not um, really, you know, outgoing that way. They're just easily like, you know, no confrontation. Nobody has to do any confrontation because nobody really has to talk to anybody nowadays. It's like text. It's true. It's, it's, it's direct messenger. It's the email. Like very rarely, you know, you can run an entire business and never have to have a face-to-face conversation. So for people to even like move forward from a relationship, from a friendship would be hard anyway, just based on how, you know, this day and age is. Yeah, that's true. So what makes you bold is being filled with the Holy Spirit. What makes you bold is the word of God mm-hmm. and knowing where you're called to go. Then you're confident in where and where you need to go when you have that, the Holy Spirit directing you as your guide. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And so what we want to do today is we want to give you three types of relationships that you have to remove from your life. If you're going to move forward, if you're going to accomplish your purpose, if you're going to do what God's called you to do successfully, these three types of people have got to be removed from your life without question, without question. We'll give you scripture to back it up, but you've got to see this because it will make or break you in your purpose, in your life, what God's called you to do. It will make or break you. So I want you to check this out with us. The first type of person are those people who basically say that, you know, whatever you're called to do can't be done, or, you know, it's not, now's not the time for it to be done, or, you know, it's just not, it's just not possible. These people, I'm going to refer to them as containers because what they're trying to do always is to contain you in a place of doubt and unbelief. And let me tell you, these kinds of people are everywhere. They're everywhere. And what they want to do is many times what you'll find, people don't want you to produce in life because of the fact that when you produce, it highlights the fact that they're not producing. It highlights the fact that they're not moving forward. And so they want you to stay where they are. They don't want you to do anything that they're not doing because they don't want to feel like they're not doing anything. And your production, your fruitfulness highlights their unfruitfulness. And many times they're filled with a a spirit of doubt and unbelief. And we're going to call them containers because they try to contain everything God's called you to do. 
They try to contain your fruit production and, and what, and your purpose. And so what you have to do is recognize those that are trying to contain you by their words, by what they say in a friendship. Well, you shouldn't do that. Don't believe that. You know, you, we've seen this too with people that get sick and then they have friends, right? Sorry, I'm that, trying to keep my screen on yeah, yeah. turning that thing off. They, uh, they have friends that they're, you know, they are believing for a miracle and their friends are like, well, you know, I don't want to, this is one of the ones I hear all the time. Well, you know, I don't want you to get your hopes up. I know you go to that church where they believe in healing and they believe in miracles. I would just hate for you to get your hopes up and then, you know, it not take place for you. You know, I don't know if God's already still doing yeah. all that stuff. And what all they're doing is sowing a, a spirit of doubt and unbelief. You never want to be a plan A person and have plan B friends. That's good. Put that in the comments. Because I'm a plan A person when it comes to the word of God. I mean, anything, but I'm just saying like, with the word of God, it's going to be plan A for me. I'm not moving from what God has told me to be. So it would be silly and it would only bring me down if I surrounded myself with plan B people. Right. Always so, looking for something else. Yeah. So don't be a plan A person and have plan B friends. Yeah, that's, Write a, that's that excellent. in the comments. Yeah, put it in the comments. I'm a plan A person. I don't need plan B friends. <laughs> what does that mean? The word of God doesn't need when a plan B. <laughs> Is that a lightsaber? <laughs> no, it's all different. Um, un understand something. The word of God is plan A. Word of God is plan A. God doesn't need a plan B. Faith trusts in God, not in men. Bottom line. Faith trusts in God, not in men. And so what are we saying? If you're standing on plan A, which is God's mighty word, and you got people surrounding you, well, you know, I don't, I would just hate for you to be heartbroken. I don't want you to, you shouldn't do that. I know, God, I know you feel like you're supposed to. If God gave you a word, I don't care who says you can't, if God says you can. And this is, this is common where we see people that, are, well, you know, I know you feel that now's not the time. If God said now's the time, it's the time. Well, it's 2020, you know, and the, look at what's going on around the world. Now's not the time to launch out and do that and step out in faith. If God said it's the time, it's the time. And so what I want you to get today is there will be people that will try to discourage you from doing what God's called you to do with doubt and unbelief. One scripture you need to stand on is Mark 9, 23, where the Bible says all things are possible to him that believes. Understand that all things are possible to him that believes. So if you believe there's nothing impossible to you, nothing's held back from you. Your faith makes all things possible. Think about that. Your faith makes all things possible. In fact, I want you to write it. My faith makes all things possible. You know, it's, it's dangerous to get into that, uh, by the way, because we know this, the Bible tells us that without faith, now, of course I'm quoting Hebrews 11, six without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, if you, if you read that whole scripture, the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. And those that come to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so one thing we know clearly from scripture is that anything we're doing outside of faith or void of faith is displeasing to God.
Yeah. A- anything that's, like you said, void of faith, unbelief, is sinning. Yeah. Well, re- that, because that, that blows people's minds, you hear that kind of a phrase. You, you're saying anything that, that I don't do in faith is sinful? Scare you to the faith side. <laughs> well, it sh- yeah, it, sh- hey, it should. Things scare you from going to hell, right? To yeah. be saved? No question. Same way. But that's an actual, <laughs> you know, she said that, you know, anything that's not faith, out of faith or from faith is sinful. That blows people's minds. That's a scripture in the word of God. Because most people don't look at it as opposite. They, they have faith and a little bit of doubt. And so they, you know, rely on man for this much and God for this much. Right. And then they realize you can't do both. The Bible instructs us all throughout it. It's one or the other. No riding the fence. It's one or the other. And so that's what it is with faith. It's not, I believe God can heal me, but let me help him out with this. I believe, you know, I believe in my finances, on my harvest, you know, but let me not do the full percent because he understands what we're going through right now. You know, you can't. You can't, she's referencing tithing, tithing you, know? you know, the 10%, you know, I'm going to do nine. Well, no, <laughs> that's stealing. And what's stealing? Stealing's a sin. And where did, you know, sinners go to hell. So you got to like. Not to mention tithing. Gotta, tithing means, actually means 10%. You're like, I'm going to tithe 9%. I know, it but people do that. 10%. They'll, they'll make up their I own know. percentage. I know. Because they, it's like, well, God understands. No, he understands you're doing it wrong. <laughs> it's like, That's what he understands. It's like people say, I'm going to give a 9%, 10%. I'm giving 9.5. I'm going to give a 7%, 10%. I'm giving 9.9%. You know, no, you're wrong. I'm seeing it a lot from people in the comments too, because people are asking, yeah, but what do you do when these people are in your own family? Like, what do you, we've had two or three people write that in the comments already. What do you do? If these people that are full of doubt and unbelief are actually in your family, this is where now it depends on the um, relationship, right? So obviously, if it's your husband or wife, um, then there's going to have to be, you know, there's an unequal yoke there of faith. If you're the husband and it's your wife, you have to stand in faith and lead that home well. If it's a mother and a father. You know, the Bible still tells us you have to honor them. You keep honoring your mother and father. But one of the things that it would that would be to me how I would function is if I've got a family member that doesn't believe anything I'm doing in faith, my, my life for Christ, my spiritual life, what I'm doing, my giving, my belief for healing, I'm not going to discuss those things with those people. I mean, bottom line. Don't cast your pearls before swine. I'm not going to discuss the holy things of God that I'm believing for and standing on with people that are just going to mock them or have something negative to say. I'll, I'll be kind. I'll, you know, if I see him, I'll, you know, whatever, but I'm not going to get into in-depth discussions or even mention those things to people that all they have is a negative response. Guard your words, guard who you speak to about what it's like, you know, who learned that lesson very well, Joseph, Joseph learned that lesson. Maybe you shouldn't have told uh, the stories of, of all your father and brothers bowing down to the ground in front of you. Maybe you shouldn't have told, told those dreams to them while you're still one of the you know youngest in the house. You know, maybe 
it'll cause your brothers to get angry, throw you into a pit and then sell you into slavery. You know what I mean? So you don't say everything, you know, to everyone. That's, that's something that some people need to learn. You don't say everything, you know, to everyone, guard yourself. You know what I mean? It's like, we see people just like, and I know people get zealous and they're like all on fire and they're telling everybody nothing wrong with spreading the gospel. But at the same time, if that's the, if that's the feedback you constantly get, I'm not going to keep sharing with you my my faith goals. Like Joseph. Yeah. That's that's what I just said. It's like (laughs) Joseph. I'm not going to have people bowing. You're going to bow down to me. It's so powerful. I had a prophetic dream. You know, you might get sold into slavery, you know, and that's, it's, it's, it's what I'm talking about. People do that in their families and then they get upset. Well, every time I talk about my faith, people get, they call me crazy and they, well, stop talking about it. People don't know them. how to separate it from love. Right. I, I have family members that I love and I pray for, but <laughs> I'm not going to talk to them and tell them things like I talk to Ted or I talk to my parents or, you know, so it, it, you have to learn people say always, always, always the question when you talk about uh, toxic relationships or separating yourself. Everyone says, what about family? But listen, there's nothing more important than doing what God has called you to do and going where God has called you to do. Right. I, I going where God has to- told you to go and, and doing what God has told you to say and saying it. There's nothing more important than that. So that's where you have to make up your mind. Is this more important? And like I said, you don't have to be mean when you break relationships off or you just decide to go and and do other things. Everyone always thinks like, man, I'm going to have to tell them everything I feel. You know what I mean? Everything I have to say. I'm going to have to sit down and tell them why we can't be friends. Well, that's a bad witness to begin with anyway. You're never going to be able to speak into their lives if that's how you're going to act. That's not how you go higher. There's people that were in my life earlier in my life that aren't in it now. And they're not bad people, but they're just not people that were going where I'm going, where I'm at now. They weren't going to be beneficial to where I'm sitting right now. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. You know, it's like she said, you don't have to be angry. You don't have to be mean. No. But you know what I do? I continue being kind, but I get very busy. Yeah. Would you like to go? I'm I'm busy. Would you like to go out? I'm busy. You want to come over there? I'm busy. I'm still kind. I just get very busy. Now they know your secret. Because oh, I don't care. So when Tiffany hears, hears I'm busy all the time. No. <laughs> no, but it's the truth. Like you are not required. You're not required to continue to give your time to everybody. Your yeah. time. Let me tell you something. Your time is your most valuable resource. You never get it back. So how you spend it matters and you're not required to just keep giving your time to people that don't respect it and don't respect you and don't respect your faith. I'm not required to give you my time. You're blessed. If you get my time, that's how you have to think you're blessed. If you get my time, it's valuable. And so, you know what? I'm kind to you, but I'm very busy. Not going to be able to do that. Not going to be able to go to dinner. Not going to be able to come to your house. Not going to be able to go to coffee. I'm just very busy. And so I want you to understand, I, I, I don't have the time because you have to guard that because every, every person that you speak with that speaks into your life, their responses matter. I refuse. You know, I say this all the time, but when it comes down to what do I need when, it, when I'm believing for a miracle, I need friends like the man on the mat had in the New Testament who was paralyzed and they picked his mat up and brought him to Jesus. They didn't just tell him, well, you know, the house is full where Jesus is at. 
and uh, we probably won't be able to get you in. We'll check for another. No, they tore the roof off. They lifted him up on the roof. They lowered him in front of Jesus because, and then the Bible says, and Jesus seeing their faith. How powerful is that? He didn't just see the faith of the man on the mat. He saw the faith of the friends and Jesus seeing their faith healed the man. I need friends with faith. I need, I don't need containers. They're going to lock me in a little capsule of you can't do it. Now's not the time. Don't step out. Don't move forward. I'm I, I don't have time for friends like that. And Carolyn, you were saying, uh, you mentioned a moment ago that this is not just a lack of faith. The Bible calls it a sinful action. Um, and you had the reference open Romans 14, 23, read what your, what your Bible says. Uh, but if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning. If you go ahead and do it for, you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Right. Listen to this in the ESV, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith and whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Well, why, why can we say that? The reason we can say that is because of Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it's impossible to please God. So anything you're doing that's not pleasing him is displeasing him and anything that displeases God is sin. And that's why Romans here says anything, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Everything we do has to be done in faith or it's displeasing to God. And so I want you to see this. And by the way, we were speaking a moment ago about uh, tithing and someone had a question in the, in the comments. They said, I've been taught about free will giving in the new Testament. I've been oh, taught tithing in the old Testament. Let me just say this quickly for you. Um, if you'll go to my podcast, if you go to episode 1841, uh, it's entitled, Are New Testament Christians Required to Tithe? Episode 1841, um, Tiff, if you can put it in the comments for everybody to see as well. Uh, episode 1841 on the podcast, uh, you'll see it. Are New Testament Christians Required to Tithe? So what we got to see is number one. Summer, I, I have the NLT and he has the ESV. Yeah, two different translations. I like to be able to see things a lot of times in multiple translations to see how they render them. This is a more thought for thought. This is closer to a word for word. We like to see how they, they uh, bounce off of each other, but understand this. Number one, you have to form faith relationships, not doubt relationships. If you've got people in your life that are constantly speaking doubt into you, that are constantly telling you, you can't, you won't, you shouldn't. It's time to reevaluate that relationship and try to move into a relationship that's got some faith with it. Absolutely. You know, it's, you know, it's better than having 20 subpar friends, having five really good faith filled friends. I don't need to be friends with everybody. No. You know what I mean? I don't need everybody to be my close friend. I need the right people to be my close friend. You understand that? I don't need everybody to be my close friend. I need the right people to be my close friend. So that's number one. Number two, the second type of person that you really have to uh, watch and remove from your life, not just those that we were, were calling containers, but also uh, the complainers. This is massive. Complainers will destroy your future. They'll destroy your destiny. Uh, I wanted to look real quickly at 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5. 
and uh, verse 18. If you have your Bible, go there with me. First Thessalonians chapter five. Listen to this. And I'll read a few verses here. Um, I'll read three verses, 16 through 18. The Bible says rejoice always. So you can't, you actually can't complain if you're rejoicing about something. If you're rejoicing about it, you can't complain about it. They're two opposite ends of the spectrum. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And then look at verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You see that? This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What? That you would give thanks in all circumstances. That's key. I've got to be thankful. I cannot be a complainer. I've got to be thankful. I always think it's funny when we get to November and, you know, people take the Thanksgiving month of November. I'm going to take these 30 days, talk about 30 things I'm thankful for. It should not be contained into one month of the year. The Bible said, I mean, we give, give the give thanks challenge. You know, we're in first, first Thessalonians five, 16 through 18, you know, you've got to be rejoice always give thanks, always rejoice, always give thanks, always daily complainers. They'll destroy their future and they'll destroy yours along with it. You've got to be somebody. So watch this. If it is the will of God, Paul wrote this under inspiration of the Holy ghost. If it is the will of God for you to rejoice always and to give thanks in every circumstance and you don't and instead complain, you are now outside of the will of God for your life and you're sinning. Complaining is a sin. It's a sin that caused uh, problems for the children of Israel without question. And you, you have that actually, don't you? Did you turn to the numbers? Yep. What does the Bible say? <laughs> Soon the people began to complain about their hardship and the Lord heard everything they said. Then the Lord's anger blazed against them and he sent a fire to rage among them and he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. Think about that. Think about that. God was so angry. He was so angry about their complaining. (laughs) This is after the Exodus, by the way. This is after the Exodus. They're out of bondage. I mean, literally, they are out of bondage. And now God's bringing them towards the promised land. And they're complaining. These people never stop complaining. Well, we have, we have manna, but we don't have quail. God sent quail. You know, we don't have water. God sent water. Every time they complain, God's got an answer for, for, their, for their desires, their needs. And he was so tired of their complaining. It's a sin. And the Bible, what does the Bible say? He heard their complaints and his anger was kindled against them. Think about that. And he sent a fire. So there was actually judgment, Old Testament judgment that came because of their complaining. It's a wicked thing to complain when God said to give thanks. It's a wicked thing to complain when God said, give thanks. Well, just think how you've... um and just think how you feel when you do something for somebody. Yeah. And they're complain about, you know, the smallest thing or wasn't thankful. It it gets you upset inside. Right. So just like for the Lord who does anything and everything and, you know, and what Jesus has already done for us, when you complain, 
you know, it puts a sour taste in your mouth. Well, it's like, imagine, <laughs> uh, imagine if you spent all day preparing a meal for me for dinner. Like, let's say you, you, you knew what my favorite meal was and you did this. Let's say you did, knowing that I like a Thanksgiving dinner. We did a Thanksgiving. You made the turkey. You made the stuffing. You made the potatoes. You made the cranberry sauce. All that stuff. We sit down to eat. You've been working on this dinner all day. And all of a sudden, I take a bite and go, you know, to be honest with you, the, this, uh, this stuffing's a little too salty for my taste. A little too, a little too much. I wish you'd have made it. Now, she spent all day preparing this. And now I'm complaining that the stuffing's a little too salty. Instead of being thankful that I have a wife that took all those hours to prepare that kind of a meal for me. See, that's where people are at. Because if you would actually compare the, the level of, first of all, people in America have zero right to complain about anything. Zero. I mean, like people in America, let me tell you something. People need to travel the world. It would do people good <laughs> to travel the world. Even the people that really do need help. In America. In America. Are still Even though far the people that blessed. really do need help are far more blessed than other countries. Far more. Far more far blessed. Far more. I mean, if you're <laughs> watching more. this from the United States or Canada, <laughs> let me tell you something. You are No, blessed. Norman, I'm a good cook. He was just <laughs> No, she's a phenomenal cook. But, you know, if you're watching this from North America and you've got things to complain about, you need to go to the prayer closet immediately and begin to pray and ask God to forgive you and open your eyes and take a look at the blessings that have been poured out upon your life and the things that have been afforded to you. Thankfulness is what we need. And the problem is when we get around friends that, that end up complaining all the time, that rubs off. Yeah. The ones where nothing's ever good enough. And then the we start complaining. Stuff. The small stuff. It doesn't yeah. have to be big, but what you hear all the time you're trained right. in your ear to start saying, and then you become nitpicky about every little thing. Yep. And it could be like, you know, God blesses us with the studio and I find one thing, you know, that's not, like a, well, you know, I just, it wasn't really what, you know, I wanted, or I really wish that it had this. I really wish it had this. It's like, I just don't like the way that that wall looks. Right. I'm just, I don't know. This color could change a little bit. It's not like my favorite color. You know, God's going to be like, forget it. I can't ever please her. She lives she, in a sta state of complaining. She's not happy. Nothing ever makes her happy. And, and then your blessing stops it's flowing. Simple, it dries man. up. It dries Absolutely. up. You know, and then also you allow the enemy, you start believing his lies because nothing's ever good enough. And it's right. not up to the part, you know, that you've said, and it's this and that. And then you, then you give in, your faith diminishes. I mean, it's, it's a slippery slope to be a complainer Absolutely about anything. Even if it's something that you don't like, the best thing to do is keep your mouth shut and praise the Lord. Just like you, you thank the Lord for healing that hasn't, you know, manifested in your life yet. You thank the Lord the same way. You thank him for what he's doing, what he's going to do. You speak it by your words, by your declaration. Yeah. So it, it, just like not every uh, miracle you need is instantaneous, it doesn't mean you drown it with complaining because then you're never going to see it. And then God gets blamed. Yeah. And it's like, no, it was your own mouth. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, we read a moment ago, Numbers chapter 11, where we see it's, it made God angry that they complained, that they were in a place of, 
uh, of grumbling, the Bible says. But then Paul, because we're in the New Testament now, you know, people are, well, that was Old Testament, brother. We're in the New Testament. Paul writes to the New Testament church and uses that same story as an example to New Testament believers. Look at 1 Corinthians 10. And look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you, start with verse 6, and then I'll jump to 9 and 10. Listen. Now, these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Now, it's speaking about the children of Israel in the wilderness. Now, look at verse 9. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Verse 10. Nor grumble. That word grumble is the word is complaining is what they were doing in the Old Testament. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now in my Bible, the destroyer is capitalized. Capital D, the destroyer. Because if you understand something, go back and read Numbers 11. Bible doesn't say the devil sent fire. It says God sent fire through the camp and judged that complaining spirit and attitude and those that were in the fringe of the camp were, were actually destroyed. In the New Testament here, Paul writes it and says they grumbled, they complained, and they were destroyed by the destroyer. So I want you to catch this. God takes it very seriously, takes it very seriously when people, rather than giving thanks and rejoicing always, complain and grumble. Takes it very seriously. It's a sin against God who is the one who's blessed you abundantly. He's given you every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 1, 3. Every single blessing that there is to have, God's given to you. And we have to be people that rejoice constantly and literally always give thanks. Always. Take time out, out of your day to do it. Yep. You know, there's times, you know, and, and this just, I think this came, comes from us from just like keeping a thankful heart. Because there's times that we'll be, I was, I sat down at the piano. I I have to, I tell you this. I sat down at the piano. I think you were out on a walk. I don't know where you were. No, you were out at the store. And I just sat down at the piano and uh, I just started playing and singing. I'll do this, you know, in the house. I just started playing and singing at the top of my voice. Great is thy faithfulness. And I mean, the anointing of God hit me in my studio in the house. And I started just crying as I, I just was recounting. All of the good things God's done for us personally and done for our ministry. Absolutely. And I just sat down and started to praise him at the piano and started singing, great is thy faithfulness. And I was, I mean, I was singing it like I was in church, like leading it as a praise and worship leader. I was singing it out. And as I, I would go over uh, portions of the song. Uh, all I have needed, thy hands have provided. I must have sang that 27 times in a row. <laughs> All I have needed, thy hands have provided. And I just kept singing it. And I mean, tears came to my eyes because he's been so good. I can't even imagine complaining in, in my life about when I see all that God's done. And you, you'll have that. You'll have times where you'll just, you'll just be in the kitchen doing stuff. And then all of a sudden it all hits you. And you'll start to cry thinking about the blessings. Oh, yeah. Even this morning, I didn't cry, but I was on my, my um, run slash walk because I don't run the whole way. <laughs> I run half of the way. Um, but literally, I, and I wasn't like, um, you know, you don't have to feel like when you thank the Lord that you got to have this like big gusto and you have to back it up with all this scripture. I literally just listed 
things. I mean, just tons of things on my walk with the Lord. You know, I had my headphones and no one thinks you're crazy when you're walking. They just think you're on a phone call. <laughs> but I was going down the sidewalk and I was listing what I'm thankful for in every area. I listed a ton of stuff with our studio, our ministry, our partners. I went down the line with my family. I went down the line with my kids, like listing all these things I'm thankful for. Things, things about him, things about my home. I listed everything about my home. I, I said, thank you, Lord, for a, a roof over my head, a comfortable bed to sleep in. And you think, oh, well, that's the simple things. But listen, I'm not on the street sleeping. I'm sleeping in a home that's mine with a roof over my head and a comfortable bed. So even things you think are, are a natural thing for you to have. Oh, it's natural to have a house. It's natural to have a bed. You know, it's natural to have silverware in the drawer. I mean, like I was listing everything that I'm thankful for. I said, thank you, Lord, that my stuff lasts longer. That was one of the things. Thank you, Lord, that my stuff doesn't break. Just thinking about it now. Just so thankful for everything that the Lord has done, listing health in my kids' bodies. Thankful that I have angels. I said, Lord, thank you for angels that are sent out to protect me, to protect my family, to protect, you know, people that I, that I surround my life with. I was just like literally listing today. I woke up early and walked four and a half miles and just thanked the Lord because I was so overwhelmed by his goodness. And I never wanted to take anything for granted. That's right. Never. That's why I said even the small things. Thank you, Lord, for the couch that I sit on, you know, because this is how I look at it and how I teach my children. Everything we have, everything, when I say everything, everything. not big things, uh, small, from the pins in the drawer to the silverware that we eat with functional to plumbing. the bottle of water. I thank the Lord that my refrigerator was full. Amen. I mean, these are the things that I thank the Lord for this morning. And that's what we have to do. We have to live in that state. Don't look at things as, as you know, taking it for granted that it's something that you have to have. Nobody right. thinks, oh, I got soda in the refrigerator. Right. Everything I'm thankful for. And right. I went down the list today. Yes. And that's what happens. You get to those place, you get to that place where uh, you just start to recognize. That's when you, you know, when Paul says, set your mind on things above. One of the things you need to hear is this. Setting your mind on things above includes Everything God's done for you includes every blessing that's been afforded to you. When you set your mind on things above, I like when the psalmist said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. When you magnify the Lord, it doesn't make him bigger. It makes your view of him bigger. And you can pick out the details of everything that's going on in your life that God has done. Nobody else has done it. God has done it. In fact, those of you that are watching, and I don't want one of you of the 150 some people that are watching live, I don't want one of you that to not do this. If, if you are blessed, if God has blessed you, I want you to write it in the comments right now. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me. It's not, it's not a game. We are thankful people. We're commanded to be in his will and be thankful for his goodness. And if he has blessed you, I want you to write it in the comments. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Because it has to be personal. You have to know that you are the one that God's been good to. Because that's where the thanksgiving flows from. This is true in my life. This is true in my home. This is true with my children. This is true in my body. 
Thank you, Lord, for blessing me. And he has blessed us. And, thank, and, and thanking the Lord doesn't mean you have everything lined up perfectly. No. There's, there's, thank him for what's there, on the way. Yeah. And, there, you know, there's things I, I, I would want to do and I have plans for in my life or my house or, you know, right. everyone has things that they want to change and do. But thank the Lord and take care of what you have now. I take care of everything the Lord gives me. Absolutely. I am so thankful Stewarding for it. everything. I mean, I just like the other day I texted Jenna. I said, I am so overwhelmed with thankfulness. I'm just crying right now in my house. And I'm not someone who just goes around and falls apart over everything. But it's like I could feel a heat wave come over me. And I just had to text her because, you know, Jenna, Jenna works for us. And she has from the beginning. Mm -hmm. She was with us seven years ago and started out at $300 a month. Yep. She has and what seen. has transpired in those seven years is so <laughs> magnificent the, the, and the, only God. The first year that we left home, I want you to hear this, what God's done. And Jenna was a part, she saw this from the beginning. The first year that we left home and answered the call of God to travel and evangelize, preach the gospel. I think our ministry brought in $6,800, I think $6,300 or $6,800 in a year, (laughs) in a year. Do you know there wasn't one time during that year where we were like, I can't believe this. We're going to quit. I I just, I can't believe that. No, no. We were excited to do it, weren't we? We were excited to hit the road. We were excited to preach the gospel. There was plenty of times we paid to preach and I'm willing to pay to preach. Amen. But you know, you go 12 months with a family and the income for the ministry income was $6,800. You think about that. And there wasn't a time, there wasn't a time where where we said, you know, I can't believe God would do it like that. No. Thankful to do it, excited to do it. And look, I mean, in just 10 short years, I'm not even 40 yet. Once you hear this, I'm not even 40 yet. And I'm just looking around at all God's done in just 10 years, all the things he's done for us in just 10 years. And, and it, it's, it, it's mind blowing. Only God could do something like that. That's why he gets all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. We can't take any. God gets all of it. Look at that. Mike said, LaValle. He said, happened to me last week on the platform when we were praising the Lord on Sunday service, squeezed it right out of me in front of the congregation while I was singing the blessing. (laughs) Come on, come on. And God's good. Every one of us knows. I see Glenn on there talking about God. He's so good. He's so good. Thank him for what you have and what you want to have. He is Glenn. Pull it into your life. Denise is watching. He's good. I want you to see this because we'll give you one more before we pray today. And I feel the anointing. What's up, Brother Scott? It's in London, Kentucky. Love you, buddy. The third type of, we've talked about those that are containers. They've held you into or away from, I should say, what God wants you to do or what you're called to do. They they tell you, don't step out in faith. Don't live in faith. They're containing you. Number two, those that are always complaining, literally walking around with a negative report in their mouth, talking about what's wrong, what they can't do and what's going But finally, I want you to catch this. There's my friend, Joel Toller from the UK. I want you to catch this. The third type of person you have to remove from your life. Those that are what I call abstainers. Those that don't do or refuse to do 
what the Lord has called them to do. This is huge. They don't do, they refuse to do what God has called them to do. You don't need, love you, Jordan. You don't need people in your life that are going to reject the call of God on their life, reject their purpose, reject their gift, reject the talent God's put in their hand. You can't be that person because what it ends up being truly, it's not just rebellious, uh, a rebellious spirit, but it's laziness. It's for many people, it's laziness. And that's so wicked. Laziness is wicked. And so I just wanted to, if we both go to Proverbs, actually, if you would go to Matt, you go to Matthew 25, I'll jump over to Proverbs. I want you to see this abstainers, people that refuse to do what, yeah, it includes them not obeying God. They won't do it, Brooke. They won't, they won't step out in faith. They won't step out in their purpose. They take their gift and talent. They bury it in the ground. They will not do it. What's up, Gary? Love you, buddy. Look at this. Proverbs. That's why I wanted you to go here. Proverbs chapter six. And I want you to listen to how severe this is. Proverbs chapter six. I'm going to read six through 11. Go to the ant, you sluggard, you lazy person. That means consider the work of the ant. Consider her ways and be wise without having any chief officer or ruler. She prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you lie there? You sluggard. When will you arise from sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber and a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. You see that? And so here in Proverbs, the Lord is encouraging us that we've got to be people who are diligent workers. Notice what he's saying here. If you look at the way the ant works, he doesn't have to have somebody right next to his ear all day long. Get back to work. Get to work. Get back to work. How come your work's not done? Where's the work? Get to work. No, without a chief, an officer or a ruler, they work and they work and they work. They have a goal and they work towards it. When God has given you a goal, work towards it. Do what the Lord has asked you to do. Don't hold back. Don't pull back on your purpose and don't surround yourself with people who refuse to develop their gifts, who refuse to go out and accomplish their purpose. It's wicked. It's wicked. Let me give you this before she reads Matthew 25, Proverbs now 13, Proverbs chapter 13 And verse four, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Catch that. The soul of a lazy person craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent, the faithful wants nothing. So literally the full supply that you're believing for, for your ministry, your business, your family, the goals that God's given you, the supply is in the diligence, the faithfulness, the obedience. And when you fall back into laziness, you become a sluggard, you won't step out, you won't do the work. The Bible says you'll crave for things and you'll receive nothing. Why? Because laziness is wickedness. I will not ever 
surround myself with lazy people. Anybody that works with this ministry is a diligent person. I can promise you that. I can promise you that. Anybody that works with this ministry is a diligent worker, diligent person at the top, highest, most productive level you could possibly live. And that's why I said, I don't want just anybody working with me. I want the diligent, those that are hungry, those that are moving forward. That's who I want. I want to have part, I want an elite squad, if you will. And so we see this story in uh, Matthew 25. It's the parable of the talents. Did you want me to read that yeah, thing? Well, 14 through 30 or? Well, come, or go, go back to end. where he comes back from his trip. Where he replied? Yeah, so go, go back uh, one to where he comes back from his trip, wherever it says in, when he returned. Because obviously, you know, the precursor is this. Three servants of the master. One gets five talents. One gets two. One gets Here, one. 19. Yeah, and then the, the five, you know, you, you'll read it because he comes back. So listen to what they said. Uh, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver <clears throat> came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant went uh, with, Catch this part. with the one bag of silver came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Look at that. Stop right there. Look what the master said to him. You wicked and lazy servant. What, what did he do? Did he steal from the master? No. He didn't steal anything. He gave it back to him. Did, did he go out? Was he murdering people? No. Was he out lying? No. What did he do that was wicked according to the master? What did he do? He took his talent and buried it in the ground, the Bible says. He buried it. He did not, why did the other two get praised? You faithful, well done, faithful, diligent servant. You see what made the master happy? Faithful diligence. You saw what made him angry? Wickedness, slothfulness, buried his talent in the ground. You see it. And so what he did here, keep reading, listen to what it says. Uh, but the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, That's and good. they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even that little they have will be taken, taken away. away. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness <laughs> where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Look at that. It was so wicked. He took what he had. Take his talents away from him and give it to the man who has 10 and then throw him into outer darkness. Look at how God views this. Laziness is wickedness. 
not accomplishing your purpose, doing what he's called you to do. And See, those servants were made to, to do the work of the master. And this is what you have to get when we're talking about this is don't look at such a, a big scheme of things. You know, people will do that um, with healing. They'll say, well, Jesus, you know, they pray against, uh, they curse cancer to go away, but they won't curse the common cold. So you look at it as levels. So when you think of this story, don't look at it as, you know, you're seeing somebody, oh, well, they're just sitting on the couch doing nothing. Look at it as, like he said, is it somebody who's not doing the God ideas that were given to them? Right. Because yeah. that is just as big as the other. Oh, yeah. I you mean, know, like, literally. You get around people all the time and they tell you all these things they want to do. Or, or right. God gave me this. God told me to do this. God told me. God, 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 God. Never gets And then done. you're this person who is in the same boat. Yes, God gave me this idea and you're going this way. And you look back and, and the person you're friends with, you know, whatever, is still back here, still saying the same thing. Right. Well, God told me to do this. Yeah. I have this idea to start this business or start this idea or start, launch you know, this ministry launch this, launch that. It's like, you know, I tell him all the time now. I was like, I don't want to hear another person <laughs> tell me they want to launch something right. and not launch it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's actually. It's launchless. Karen Neary's asking, is the parable <laughs> regarding money? Don't be launchless. <laughs> or is it regarding spiritual gifts? It's not regarding money. It's not regarding money because if you look at what uh, Jesus is teaching in context. He's teaching about the kingdom. Jesus is teaching about the kingdom. He starts by t teaching about the parable of the 10 virgins, then the parable of the talents. Then he starts talking about judgment. So it's, it's not about uh, money, although you could use the, the principle itself um, to teach on finance or stewardship, but in context here, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom and what he's looking for in the kingdom. What happened with the 10 virgins? Five were foolish, five were wise. Five had spent money in order to fill their lamps with oil and wait for the bridegroom. Five let their lamps go out waiting for the bridegroom. I made up my mind. I'm not going to be one of those waiting for Jesus to come back and my oils run out. My oil won't run out That's in the awesome, same Molly. way. And that was good. Quick. Look, gave me an invention. I launched it last week. Praise Hallelujah. God. The cookie cooker. Do you make cookies? If you do, I will send you my address. <laughs> the cookie cooker. I, I like it. Some cookies. That's exactly it. So what, what <laughs> is it? Um, Jesus is looking for faithfulness. Jesus is looking for diligence in the kingdom of God. When he, I mean, if this was just about money, you know, it's, it's, if it was just about money, it had nothing to do with stewardship alone. You can poorly steward your money and still go to heaven. You can be a poor steward of finances, you know, and still go to heaven. This man, what he had was stripped from him. He was thrown into outer darkness. God is looking for diligent workers, looking for diligent workers. And so I want to encourage you today. If you've got people around you that refuse, they refuse to move forward. They refuse to do what God's called them to do. They refuse to push out in their talent, their gift. They won't develop it. You know, it's, it's crazy. You've got people on worship teams that outside of playing on the worship team, they won't practice. They won't develop the gift God's given them. They won't go home and hone what, what he's given them. They won't pray. You've got worship leaders. You know what? One of the things that irritates me like a lot is you've got worship leaders that will literally uh, preach their exhortations, 
but you can tell they don't pray. They don't study. They've got nothing to say. Like literally they, they get up and they'll, I make fun of this sometimes. Like, you know, they just use the words of the next song as an exhortation. That's not an exhortation. You know, you can tell that. <laughs> that always, always cracks me up. Cause I'm always like, I know what the next song is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. How many know his faithfulness is great? Oh God, our father. Amen. Yeah. It's like, he's a good, good father. Amen. That's who he is. That's who he is. Amen. He's good. Yeah. It's like, get a revelation for yourself. (laughs) Pray. I I tweeted this. Here's a test guys. Next time you go to church, see if you can tell what the next song is going to be by listening to their exhortation. And then you will know, are they praying or not? How many know it's his breath in our lungs? Amen. And we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. Amen. It's like, bro, we got, we know it. Okay. It's like, if you're going to be giving exhortations, have something in your spirit. It's like, have something in your spirit. Pray. Hey, listen, guys, there's no mountain he won't climb up. There's nothing he won't tear down. He's coming after you. Yeah. Oh, let's sing the song. (laughs) Oh. It's like, have something in your spirit to say. We can do say. this all day, folks. <laughs> it blows my mind. And there's like, you, that's, you're, you're, you've been put in a position to minister to people and you don't even take it seriously enough to pray. I can tell when people pray in public and they don't pray in private. You can tell. Somebody help me out on the comments section. If you know, you see somebody get up and pastor ask somebody to pray and they start praying and you can know off the bat, this dude doesn't pray. He doesn't pray outside of church. It's like you, you can tell there's no intimacy with God. There's just the prayer is awkward. You know what I'm saying? Throw me a hand if you know what I'm talking about. Somebody gets up to to pray. You don't even know what they have to, they have to put so many filler words in there just to think of the next thing to say to the Lord and father God, we thank you. Father God, that father God, you father God, our father God, the one father God that it's like, good Lord, pray in private, pray in private. Father and then God. you'll have, you'll have Father substance. Father hundred. He knows. You know what I'm saying? DJ Read knows. the word. Read the word and get a revelation. How, you know, how hard is it to have one verse of scripture that, that's really bouncing around in your spirit that you can encourage people with? How hard is it to have one, one, you know, one verse? And this is what, what I'm talking about. People have been given a gift. They've been given a talent. They buried in the ground. If it's not Sunday morning, if it's not Wednesday night, you know, they're not singing, they're not playing. Where is the faithfulness? Where is the diligence? You know, that's, I've, that's why I felt so strongly. Um, remember when I released the book, Unhang Your Harp, and I was talking about the power of praise. I took the last half of the book to do a section that um, was entitled Five Habits of Dynamic Worshipers. And I give you five biblical ways uh, to develop your gift. It's in the back of that book, Unhang Your Harp. Five ways to develop your gift and continue developing your gift because that's what God expects. What did he say to the faithful servant? He said, you've been faithful over a little. Now I'm going to make you ruler over much. That's huge. God's the one that brings the increase. He's the one that gives us due season. And that doesn't sound like faithful over little to ruler over much sound like a little leap. No, that's promotion. It's like serious promotion, not just going up a level. Right. Like you're here. Now you're here. Right. It's, it's, it's expedited favor. It's promotion from the Lord. So always get with people that are moving forward, moving forward, 
and not waiting and yeah. for everything to be perfectly lined up to do it because yep. God's called you to do something for the now, it, what, which might not be something that's going to work 10 years from now. So you can't wait and prep 10 years for what God called you for now right. because it's gone. Like it's not going to be the same. The anointing's not on it the there same. Is, there is a timing to it's, what God's asked you to it's do. It's dusty. It's on the shelf. He's moved on to somebody else. I always tell Ted like what motivates me. I mean, like when we put this studio together, it was sign the contract figure out what we wanted to do as far as the setup, what we were going to purchase, this and that. So, you know, that was the only time from the time time period from when we signed the contract was getting that lined up. But once we did, it was bam, 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 put up in three days. Good. We're going live and now getting ready to go on television. So you, you, it would have been dusty. God told us to do it now. He gave us the word to do the studio. That's if we would have said, well, Maybe the end of 2021. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think then you're putting yourself before the instruction of God. Mm -hmm. And then that's where it gets dangerous. Absolutely. So you have to get with people that are going to drive you, motivate you, push you, encourage you, cheer yep. you on, help you on. I do that. When people are serious, I, I've done stuff where I've bought people equipment. I've said, listen, let's do this. I'll check in on them, you know, and where where's your video? Where's your podcast? What you told me you were going to do this. It's a bad thing for people now to tell me that they're going to do something because I, I will hound help you, you and, and help you, you. But then I also do that for a certain period of time. You know, I'm not going to do it forever. So, if somebody's just going to lay it down. Because I'm, I'm moving. Right. So I get to the point where I'm not there anymore. And it's like I'm, I'm up here. And, and so... Listen, when God gives you the idea, don't keep people in your surroundings, right. in your inner circle that are going to give you one hold back. That's exactly you don't it. need to have the whole the world will tell you you got to have all your ducks lined up in a row before you can move forward. Yeah. But that's not what faith is. Faith is not having your ducks lined up in a row. To it's move stepping forward. out. It's stepping and out. You know, what's interesting? And seeing it come to pass. How come in the world we already have this understanding of like there's um, business people that want to be coached by business people at a much higher level. They want mentors, they want, they want coaching because they want to take their corporation to a higher level. So what do they do? They'll pay money to have people come in uh, and surround themselves with people that have gone further, that have been higher, that can show them the way. Why do we not do that in the kingdom? Why do we not seek out people that have gone further than we have? I write, I write about this in Further Faster. We have to find relationships of people that they've already done what we're called to do. They've accomplished it successfully. They've lived lives of integrity, Act, gain access either to their teaching, their books, to them personally, whatever you've got to do and allow those to be the kinds of people you listen to, that you follow after, not people that say, well, yeah, I feel, I, I feel I'm supposed to do that too, but they, have, they haven't done one thing. They've not done one thing. Surround yourself with people that are on fire people that won't contain you, people that won't complain, and people that won't hold back on doing what God's called them to do. And as we get ready to pray at the end of this broadcast today, we're going to join our faith together. One of the things that we want to pray for is this, that God would send to you two things I'm going to ask God to do today. Number one, that God would send to you the right people to surround you and to set you on fire. 
that you would have those kinds of relationships. Because if you, if you understand scripture, there was always something about relationship that God used through the entire Bible. Do you recognize the fact that God would not let Adam be alone by himself? He created Eve because God said, it's not good for man to be alone, gave him a relationship. And then what, as you go down through the ages, there are relationships that you can clearly see. Moses had relationship with Joshua, passed on leadership to him. You have Elijah and Elisha, Paul and Timothy, Jesus and the disciples, Paul and Onesimus. You can go through the Bible and see relationship breeds success. Proper relationship breeds success. And so we're going to pray, number one, that God would attach you to the right people. And that number two, God would remove from you the wrong people. Those that are even, there might be new Christians watching the broadcast or listening on the podcast. And you've got people in your life still trying to pull you back into an old way of living, pull you back into a life of sin. We're going to pray today that God would shut the door on wrong relationships and open doors of faith-filled relationships for you. Father, in Jesus' name, we know time is short and we're asking you to use us mightily before Jesus comes. And Lord, we ask you to surround us with supernatural faith relationships in Jesus' name. Your word declares that we should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And so Lord, I pray that you would send to us the proper faith-filled relationships that we need. People that have even gone further than we have. Open doors supernaturally, blow our minds with it. That you would connect us to faithful people that will show us how to go higher. That will show us how to step out in faith and not be afraid of what it looks like in the world. And now, Lord, I ask you for those, even especially those that are newly saved, that they have people and friends in the world that are not serving the Lord, that are trying to pull them back into an old way of living. Lord, remove those relationships. Let people lose their numbers in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that there be a separation and separate them from the world, but separate them to the kingdom of God and the house of God. And I pray, Lord, as we receive these fresh instructions from new relationships and see the strength it builds, that we will go so so far by faith so quickly that it would blow the minds of natural men. That by the time we come to the end of 2020, we'll turn back and rejoice to see how far you've brought us in just four months. Lord, as we get ready to cross over into this new month of September, we thank you that these final four months of the year will be supernatural months. September, October, November, December, we will see the culmination of our word, violent increase and expedited favor. Doors open in Jesus' name. We thank you. Healing is quickly coming. Finances are quickly coming. Opportunities are opening up. Jobs are being afforded to God's people. I thank you that household salvation will be ours in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for that. We give you all the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, before we finish this month of August, We want to give you one more opportunity in this month of August to sow a seed of faith. If you're thankful, listen to me, if you're thankful for what God's done and what he's using you to do and the attachment you have to this ministry, listen to me, I want you to sow a seed. Easy enough to do, you go to miracleword.com, you can sow a seed right on the give page or the partner page. We're believing for people to partner with us. Our goal right now 
as we're getting ready to touch the world with the gospel is to have a thousand people that would stand with us monthly at $85 or more. That's our prayer. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you to be one of those people. If he is, take a step of faith and stand with us today. You can do all that at the website, miracleword.com. Partner with us. If you're in the U.S., you can use Venmo or Cash App, PayPal. And of course, right here on Facebook and uh, Twitter, Periscope, you can use hashtag donate to sow a seed right in the comments. However you do it, let me challenge you to stand with us in partnership and believe God that this generation will be changed by the Holy Ghost before it's too late. And of course, this is the last day that uh, we're making this available. It's the month of August coming to an end. But for everybody partnering with us at $85 or more, this powerful book by Dr. Lester Sumrall, The Gifts and Ministries of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Mario. And thank you, Joel, for sowing seeds. This is a classic. Dr. Sumrall, who's gone on to be with the Lord, taught extensively on the gifts of the Spirit and saw them in operation in his ministry and in his life. That's going to be our gift to you for those of you that are standing with us this month in partnership. And then for those that are sowing largely, those that are sowing $1,000 or more, we're going to be sending you not only that book, but uh, my brand new book, the hardcover, uh, Further Faster, and a genuine leather New Living Translation, Life Application Study Bible. It'll bless you. And it's our gift to you to say thank you. We really, really appreciate you guys standing with us. We love you. We, and like my wife said, we pray for our partners all the time. Because you know my name. Sorry, I have like all these songs in my head now that people say before they. <laughs> thank you, David. Thank you, Daniel <laughs> Sherry. You know my name. You know what I like? I wish more praise and worship leaders would sing praise and worship songs in the Creed voice. Anybody remember Creed from the 90s? I always find myself, I'll start singing a worship song like normally, and then I go into the Creed voice. So it'd be, it could be like, uh, how does the Reckless Love song go? Oh, yeah. Oh, the overwhelming. Is that the first word? I think so. Never ending. Reckless love of God. Yeah, you chases me down. I always do that. It ends up in the Creed voice. Um, but that's a challenge. We'll do a September challenge for all the praise and worship leaders. If you do a song in the Creed voice and send have it on video. film and send a video, you're getting $100. I don't care. I don't care. Creed voice. Gary, if live. you're still watching, I want to see that. If you do the Creed voice live <laughs> in a service and send me the video of it, you're getting a gift card. I don't care. It's coming to you. Oh, you chase have me down. And we should air the, the top three. Absolutely, we will. If you do it, I'm doing it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. $100 to sound like Creed and That's sing easy. that song? Come easy. on. I'm doing it. Love you, Raina. And thank you. David said, I'll do it. <laughs> Hootie and the Blue, they all sounded the same, I think. You and me, we come from different worlds. You like to laugh at me when I look at other girls. Um, I'm a lover of your presence. <laughs> it's where I want to be. I'll pay. We, I'm, we I'll pay. I promise long. you I'll pay. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I love it. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.